So we're going to go ahead and continue in with our Courage series this week. This is week two of our series as, as we looked at, as I looked at kind of where I believe that we should start the year. This, this word and this concept really came to me and, and so I'm excited about sharing with you some of the things that, that I believe God has laid on my heart over the next couple of weeks and uh, I'm excited about sharing with you what I believe God has laid on our heart or laid on my heart today because I think it's a very important stepping stone as we get into the series and understanding the series and understanding what I believe God has laid on my heart for us as a body of believers in this moment. Because I truly believe as we look ahead and as we look into 2021 and just all the things that even 2020 had and moving into this, it's going to take courage. It's going to take a body of believers and a, a group of individuals who basically are not afraid, cowering the corner, but have a, an amount of courage because of who Jesus is in us and through us. And so we're going to jump in here in just a second, but um, kind, of, kind of start our series or our, our lesson this morning, our message this morning. I don't know if you, if you guys know this, but I, I've always enjoyed a guy named Bear Grylls. Do you guys know who Bear Grylls is? Okay, now please don't get into me, you know, like, well, you know, he's fake and all that's, that's whatever. I, I don't care, okay? Even if it is, I don't care. I like watching Bear Grylls. I like, you know, maybe, maybe it's just his accent. Maybe it's the fact that, that he talks the way he does and all those sort of things. But I enjoy watching Bear Grylls. And he had a show on uh, several years ago that we used to watch called Man vs. Wild. And so he would go off into these, these remote areas or the snowy areas or the jungle or the forest and he would survive. Now again, maybe he would survive for a few hours and then go stay at a really nice hotel. I don't care. I enjoyed watching it, okay? And he just came out with maybe, I think in 2020, a new show and it's called You Versus Wild. Now, this is interesting. If you, ever, if you haven't seen this before, let me tell you about how this works, okay? This is one of those things where it is interactive television, okay? You have your remote control, and you're watching this take place. And it's kind of like, some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's kind of like choose-your-own-adventure books that I used to like when I was growing up. And so they will drop Bear Grylls off into this location, and basically they'll say, okay, you've been dropped into the desert. Here you are. Should Bear Grylls do this? or Bear Grylls do that, and you get to choose, which he does. And basically, you get to decide whether or not you have figured out the best way to survive in these situations. And so it's really cool. They, they've taped, obviously, both situations, and which whatever you pick, that's what plays. And so the goal is to basically, unless you're a horrible, terrible person, is to get Bear Grylls out alive. But if you choose the wrong thing, Bear Grylls doesn't make it out, okay? And I'm sure some of you who are horrible, terrible people are like, let's see, should Bear Grylls do this safe thing that makes sense? Or should Bear Grylls jump into a freezing lake? Let's jump into the lake. You know, you, you enjoy that. But what's interesting about this is we have this in our society, if you really start to think about it, we have this huge desire of safety, but at the same time, we have this desire for kind of danger. And everything it seems like in our society over the last basically, I think, 20 or 25 years has been, how can we remove the danger? How can we remove these things that need to be out? And because basically, if you think about it, to do the things that, that sometimes Bear Grylls does, it takes a great amount of courage. So now we can do those things by sitting in our pajamas on our couch with a remote control. Isn't that interesting? 
We can have the illusion of courage. We can have the illusion of bravery. We can have the illusion of being a survivalist sitting in our pajamas with our bowl of cereal on our couch. And I wonder if that isn't on purpose. I wonder that there's part of this that has been planned by an enemy who desires to rob us of our bravery, our courage, and what we're going to be talking about this morning in depth, which I think is basically this idea of a warrior's mentality. A warrior's mentality. That basically we look at a situation and we go, you know what? That does look a little dangerous. Maybe this isn't the smartest thing to do. But you know what? I've got God on my side. And if God says to do it, we're going to do it. But unfortunately, a lot of us, we've been conditioned to say what's safe, not what's God asking me to do. Even though at times that can be somewhat scary. Even though at times it doesn't make sense in our mind. This morning we're going to be talking about a man that really went from a wimp to a warrior. And we're going to look at that transition. But before we jump in, let's pray. Father, we love you and I need you right now. God, my words aren't enough, but your words change everything. And so, God, we pray and I pray that my words would cease and yours would begin. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you look at your notes, we need to start with something I think is very important. Because I think sometimes if we miss point one here, point two and three aren't going to make a lot of sense to us. Okay? So the first thing we need to understand and that every individual needs to understand is you are called to have a warrior's mentality. Did you know that? You are called to have a warrior's mentality. Now listen, hear me here. I'm not a huge big fan of, of Christianity soldier warrior talk kind of thing. But you have to understand something and I have to understand something. We have been called to be a warrior. We have been called to a battle that is taking place all around us. And we need to understand that. But because we've been conditioned almost, oh, well, that's not how it works. That's not what's going on. We need to change our mindset here. I think it's important. I think God is leading us in this time to have a change. And that change takes courage. Listen, you need to understand something. Do you really believe the enemy who scripture tells us walks around like a roaring lion trying to find those to devour. Do you really think that person who hates you with a passion that we can't even comprehend because you walk around and every time he sees you, he sees God and he sees the spirit of God living in you. Do you really think that guy is going to sit back and put his hands in his lap and go, you know what, if you want to grow in God, go right ahead. That would be fine with me. If you want to change your world for Christ, oh, that's great. Go right ahead. I, I'm fine with that. Whatever you want to do, do you really think that the enemy isn't going to fight us? Do you really believe that our enemy is going to sit back and let all this take place? Why do we need a warrior mentality? Because there's a battle that is going on. There is a battle for this world. There's a battle for souls. There's a battle that is raging all around us. And some of us are walking around in the midst of a battle, twiddling our thumbs, not understanding what's going on. And that needs to change. 
You see, you need to understand this. This is in your notes. I want you to get this into your heart. Get this with me. We need to think like a warrior because battles are intertwined with our destiny. Battles are intertwined with our destiny. We talk about it all the time. God has a purpose for you, and he does. God has a destiny for you, and he does. The problem that we sometimes forget is to bring all those things about. There are going to be battles in your life that you're going to have to fight with God's help to get there. Because the enemy is not going to sit back and do nothing. You look at our world today. Do you see an enemy that is doing nothing? I don't. I see an enemy that is constantly at war and at battle. And we've got to understand that. If you want to reach your destiny in Christ, you're going to have to understand there's going to be battles that are going to have to be fought. Battles on your knees. Battles in, in, in times of just deep, deep prayer. Battles in conversations. Battles in high places. All these things are a part of what you are called to be. Listen, look at Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, we see this so clearly. Paul makes us see it if we could just see it. And here's the thing. We sometimes forget about it because we've heard this so much. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Why do we need armor? Because there's a battle. Why does he go through all the things? Put on this, put on that. Because we are in the midst of a battle that we have to understand. And if our mentality isn't understanding that, we can be so easily taken and, and, and basically taken out and made ineffective in the battle that's going to take place. We're called to this. Look at Ephesians 15, 3. I love this verse. I love this verse, and we need to remember Ephesians, or not Ephesians, Exodus 15, 3. It says this, the Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Listen, what is, what is our goal here? What are, what are we trying to be more like? We're trying to be more like our Jesus. We're trying to be more like him. And you know what? Jesus is a warrior. We talked about it a little bit last week. Listen, Jesus came as a lamb, but he's coming back as a lion. He's coming back as a warrior. And if we're going to be like him, we need to be the same. Even though sometimes that can be hard. So we're going to be talking about a guy this morning that had that change of mind, that change of heart. And we're going to look at it together. And it's the calling up of Gideon to have the warrior's mentality. Now listen, we're going to look at a large story this morning. So if you look at your notes, we're going to talk about a couple things that are going to be on the screen and a couple of things I'm going to paraphrase for you, okay? What I've done is I've given you those scriptures in your notes and they'll also be up on the screen, but we're not going to read word for word because we've got a lot to cover. We'll do some, but not others. But I wanted you to see where we're pulling all this from so you have it all, okay? So that's kind of the interesting kind of different thing that we're doing because we're dealing with a large portion of scripture. We're going to be in Judges 6 and 7 this morning as we look at this change that takes place. But before we get there, we need to kind of lay the groundwork. So we're going to look at Judges 1 or 6, 1 through 6. And this is what it says there. There we go. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They 
camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. So Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they carried out, cried out to the Lord for help. Now, this is, this is what was going on here, okay? In the, in the time of the judges, we see kind of this, this trend begin to take place. Israel begins to sin. They begin to fall away from God. In this instance, they begin to worship Baal, okay? We're not going to have a lot of time to get into Baal as, as a god and what that all, you know, all that meant and all those things. But trust me, it is not a pretty situation. And they begin to worship Baal. And so God does exactly what God says he would do. He said, if you turn away from me, basically, I'll, I'll take my hand off of you. And for seven years, they're basically attacked. And their, their food is taken. And all these situations are going on. And finally, they realize, hey, we're, we're doing the wrong thing. And they cry out to God for help. They cry out to God for help. And this, again, happens constantly in the book of Judges. And God will send what, what is called a judge to come and to help and save the people. Well, in our story today, he calls a guy named Gideon. Let's look at Judges 6.12. In, in, in 6.12, this is kind of what's going on. Gideon is hiding, basically, to make, it, to make it simple. He's hiding, he's afraid, because he thinks the Midianites are going to come and take the food that he actually does have. And so he's hiding, and in this moment of fear and hiding out, this happens. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And said to him, now let's stop there for a second. I'm not going to get into it because again, we got a lot to cover today. But we believe when we see this idea of the angel of the Lord, that this is actually Jesus making an appearance in the Old Testament. Okay, there's lots of reasons why. If you have questions about that, please come talk to me. I don't have time to get into it today, but for lots of reasons, we believe this is not just some angel. This is messenger and messiah. So this is Jesus appearing to Gideon. And he looks at him and this is what he says. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of fearless courage. Now remember, what's going on here? He's hiding in a wine press. He's afraid. He's sitting there and Jesus shows up and says, um, Hey, 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 mighty man of courage. Hey, and you know what? We see that and we go, oh, that's kind of that's funny. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because he's hiding out. The last thing that Gideon must feel at this point is being a man of courage. He's hiding. He's afraid. Hear me here. This is, this is important that we catch this, okay? You see, Jesus, because it, it, it comes, you know, you got to think about it. Is Jesus making fun of Gideon? Doesn't it sound like it? I mean, seriously, that's like, you know, hey, 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 you know, a little, little sarcasm. Is that what's really going on? Because I don't think it is. I don't think it is. You see, I think that we have to understand something about God. And that is that God sees you differently than you see yourself. 
God sees the warrior that he's called you to be, even though at times you don't see it, or sometimes you're the one that's afraid or hiding in the wine press. Over and over and over again in Scripture, we see that God doesn't always call the one that we think he'll call. Sometimes God calls the one that's hiding in the wine press, or the shepherd out in the field, or the man that can't talk and that's a murderer to lead his people out of Egypt. Sometimes he doesn't do that, but we need to understand this about God. Look at Romans 4, 17, the second half. This is what it says. God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. If you have whatever you got, underline it, circle it, highlight it in your phone, whatever. God that calls things that were are not. You've got to get this in your heart. Hear this. It's in your notes. When God calls us, he doesn't define us by our current condition. He doesn't call us by our current condition. He declares what we are destined to be. What does that mean? That means where you're at right now, God doesn't look at you and see that current condition. He sees what you can do with his help and he sees in you not someone afraid, hiding in the wine press, but he sees a man or a woman of fearless courage. The question becomes, do you believe what God says about you, or do you think you know better? But that's what he sees. Every single one of us. You make all the excuses you want. God looks and he sees something greater in you than you will ever see in yourself. Listen, God doesn't call the brave. He makes brave those he calls. Do you understand that? You say, Aaron, I'm not brave enough. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. That's right. You can't. But God doesn't call you because you got it all together. And because he goes, well, finally, you got it all figured out. You're finally brave. You're finally strong. You're finally got courageous. Now I can use you. God looks at us and he goes, listen, with my help, I can make you be what I need you to be. A lot of us don't move. A lot of us don't go and do these things that God's called us to do because we look at our current situation. I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that. Hey, listen, can, can, I'll, just, I'll just use the age thing here, okay? And I'm just going to share my own personal experiences. Some of the greatest experiences that I've had and some of the greatest examples of faith and prayer that I've ever seen have come from some of the eldest people that I've known and some of the youngest people I've known. So what's that mean? If you're anywhere in the middle, God can use you. God has a plan for you. In our story here, after this takes place, after Gideon is called, and this is kind of when we're going to start kind of paraphrasing a little bit, and this is in your notes. After this takes place, basically Gideon asks two questions, okay? To Jesus or to God. He asks two questions in this moment. And it's honestly two questions that I think that we could probably ask today. So we're going to look at these two questions. Number one, the first question is, why is this happening to us? 
Why is this? Why has all this taken place? Why are seven years of all this stuff and being all the food taken? Why is all this happening to us? And it's something interesting. God doesn't, in this scripture, actually answer this question, although it is answered in 6.1. And let me paraphrase it for you. Here's why. This is what God basically helps him understand throughout this whole encounter. This is happening not because I, meaning God, left you, but because you left me. We talked about it even this morning in the worship. God's with you. God's walking with you. But here's the thing. A lot of times we decide, God, I don't want you anymore. God, I'm going to serve other gods. I'm going to do other things. Why is this happening? Because the children of Israel decided to leave, not because God did. Can I help you out with something? Sometimes we'll go through hard moments, and typically where our brain goes is this. Our brain goes, God, why have you left me? We all do it. I know I do it. We all do it. Can I, can I help us out with something? I need to do this too. When I think that, I need to stop for a second, take a step back and ask the question, God, have I left you? God, have I decided that I can do this on my own? Sometimes we'll find that it's not God that's left. God is with us, but we have moved away from him. So he asked that. Why is this happening to us? And the next thing he asked is, where are the miracles? Where are the miracles? He basically says, where are all the things you used to do? You used to do. And God answers him in a very interesting way. Look at Judges 6.14. In Judges 6.14, after he's asked, where are the miracles? This is what the Lord says. Then the Lord turned to him and said, I will make you strong. Now remember who he's talking to here. The guy that's hiding out, afraid to death that he's going to lose his lunch. What's God say? I will make you strong. Go and save Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. And this is a big thing we need to catch here in our world today. Hear me here. It's in your notes after you flip the page. God is basically saying to look in the mirror. Because God will make us a miracle. Well, you say, where are all the miracles? Hey, I want miracles too. But you know where the first miracle is that all of us have experienced? God taking us and doing something amazing in us. That's a good thing. That's what God desires to do. And so when he says, where are the miracles at? Basically, God says, listen, I'll make you the miracle. I'll do something. I'll life change you and make you who goes and makes forth something amazing. In this world, that's what God wants to do. That's what God desires to do in us and through us. And we've got to understand that. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the miracles. Sometimes we can get so wrapped up with this idea of God do something miraculous in this situation. When really the miraculous thing has already been done. We just have to go and work and do the thing that God's called us to do. Sometimes that's hard, but it's important. It's important. And so after all these things, Gideon does something that we all begin to do. Gideon begins to make excuses. I, I, I'm not strong enough. I'm the weakest in my family. He begins to make all these excuses. Why? Because he's afraid. He's afraid. God's sending me? I'm hiding out. What do you mean? I don't see this. I don't see what you're doing in me. How can this be? And look what God says in Judges 6, 16. This is what he says. The Lord said to him, I will be with you 
and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Listen, this is important. This happens in Scripture a lot, okay? God seems to have a pretty standard answer when it comes to fear that we have, okay? And listen, it doesn't say, wait for this, or maybe this will happen. It's, it's standard throughout. It happens many, many times. And here's where it is. God answer, God's answer to your fear is that he will be with us. That's it. I'll be with you. What does that mean? It's real simple. It means that for us, God's presence needs to be enough even though at times it's hard, even though there's times where it's moments where it's difficult. What's he say? I'll be with you. That's his answer. I'm afraid. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I'm, I'll be with you. You see, what we need to understand is we can have that warrior's mentality. We can have courage, not because of how great we are, but because our God is with us and he's never going to leave. And his plans are good and perfect. So as we kind of bring this to a close this morning. We're going to look at some application. We're going to look at four ways to foster the warrior mentality really from this story, okay? Really from this story. So there's four things I want to hit. The first thing, we need to deal with your doubt. You need to deal with your doubt. Now again, as you look here, Judges 6, 7, this is where this story is coming from so you can look at it. But basically in this story, we, we, see, we see him begin to do a lot of things that are kind of interesting. Okay, that basically in three different times, Gideon asked God to deal with his doubt. Now notice here, Gideon doesn't deal with his doubt. He allows God to deal with his doubt. And normally when you hear these, this is where as pastors or as preachers or whatever, this is where we look down on Gideon. This is where we tap our foot at Gideon. Have you ever heard a sermon or a message where basically somebody said, well, it was really great that Gideon asked God for a sign. Normally, this is where we say, oh, that's bad. But you know what's interesting? And I read it three or four times. And maybe I missed it. I'm totally open to that. But I never saw in this story God doing that. I never saw God going, how could you doubt me? What's he do? He basically says, listen, if you're really who you say you are, if you're really going to do this in me, first he, he, has, he brings a lunch, basically. And God basically burns up the lunch in front of him. That's the one we don't know so much about. The other ones we know a lot about are the fleece situations. Where basically he says, I'm going to put a fleece out. And if the fleece is wet and the ground is dry, I'll know you're speaking to me. That happens. And I may be mixing these up. But if that happens, then he goes one more step. He says, hey, listen, the next day will you do the opposite? And God does. And nowhere does God say, I can't believe you're doing this. I'm not going to use you. You're doubting me. It's not there that I saw. Why? Because I think it's important as warriors that we deal with our doubt. We don't hide it. We don't act like we're okay when we're not. Gideon was still scared. Gideon wasn't that warrior yet. He becomes it later in our story. But right now, he's still that kind of guy that's kind of afraid, hiding in the wine press. But here's the thing. You can't go into battle with doubts. Because if you're doubting the victory, if you're doubting in the battle, here's what will happen. You're going to lose. So deal with the doubt before the battle comes. Don't try to act all super spiritual. Don't try to act like you've got it all together when you don't. God knows. Come to him and say, God, I'm having issues here. God, I'm afraid here. And let God do stuff in you to bring that up in you. 
I didn't talk about this, but right before the battle, or it's not in your notes, but right before the battle, Gideon's still scared. And Gideon doesn't ask God for help. God knows that he is and says, Gideon, go down to the camp if you're still afraid and listen to what's being said. God encourages, hear me, God encourages confirmation. And God wants to do that. But listen, it won't happen if you don't deal with it. We all have doubts. We all have these things. If we're going to be a warrior, we're going to have to deal with it. Admit that we have some weakness and let God be strong for us. The next thing, we've got to destroy our idols. We've got to destroy our idols. In Judges 6, one of the first things that God asked Gideon to do is to go, and this is important, go to his father's house and destroy the altar and a pole that's basically there to worship and honor Baal. He said, that's the first thing you need to do. And it's interesting to me that it's actually at his dad's house. So what's he do? That's exactly, he, he goes. And what's great is he doesn't only, because God tells him to do this, he doesn't only destroy Baal's altar, he builds a new one to God. He builds a new one to God. You need to understand this, a warrior can't have a divided heart. A warrior can't have a divided heart. If you are going to win the battles that God has, your heart cannot be divided. We see this all the time. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. you got to love one and hate the other. But a lot of us want to be the warrior with a divided heart. Hear me here. A lot of us want to worship Baal when there's nothing going on and there's no battle. But as soon as the battle hits, as soon as it gets hard, we want to run to God and say, Okay, God, I'm ready to fight with you. I'm ready for you to help me. I don't think it works like that very well. We can't have a divided heart. We have to destroy the idols that we have in our lives. And here's what you need to understand and hear me. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm just trying to be honest. I don't think I've ever met anybody who at times doesn't deal with idol worship in their heart. Now, I am not saying that somewhere hidden in your back room or in the basement you have some carved image that you bow down to every once in a while. But there's idols that we have. And we fight those idols a lot of times. Because you know what? We don't want to put our faith and trust in God. We want to put our faith and trust in something else. We don't want to focus in on God. We want to be able to focus on other things. We all sometimes deal with this. And hear me, to fight the battles, to win the, the wars that God desires, to reach your destiny, you're going to have to be willing to look in your own heart and go, you know what, I got some idols and I need to destroy them. Gideon did that. And it was very important. Number three. Number three. You need to discover your comrades. You need to discover your comrades. Now, in Judges 7, we kind of get into more of the story that some of us know a little bit more. And basically, Gideon has called these men together and basically said, hey, I, I'm, we're going to go fight uh, the, the Midianites and all these things. And he brings it. He's got several thousand men uh, together. And basically, in our scripture, it says, he's, um, you know, I, I think it was like 32,000 or 22,000. Don't quote me. It's there. But basically, thousands and thousands of men. And God comes to Gideon and says, listen, you got too many men. 
Now let's stop here and let's realize that most historians and most biblical theologians feel like the Midianites probably had about 150,000 men. And God says, listen, you got, you, you got too many guys. You got too many guys. And so basically he says, if anybody's scared, tell them to go home. Anybody scared of the battle, tell them to go home. And so it says 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. Okay, now we got 10,000. 10,000 to 150,000. Okay, we're, we're, this is still, yeah, okay. Okay, well, God, well, God, we're going to do this. Okay, and God says, nope, nope, you still got too many men. So he says, go down to the river. Go down to the brook or the creek or whatever and tell the men to drink. And basically the men drink in one of two ways. One is that they basically kind of kneel down and they, they, they take some water and they, and they kind of lick it or drink it out of their hand. And the others bend down and drink it out of the creek. And God says, the ones that bent down to drink out there, that get down on their hands and knees, send them home. But the ones that, that take the, kind of do this and kind of drink it out of their hand, those are your guys. He's got 300. That's it. But listen and hear me here. We need to understand this. I love this. Please get this because I hate math. God doesn't do math like us. Okay? God doesn't do math like us. God doesn't go, oh man, 150,000 to 300, boy, that's, those are bad odds. God doesn't do math like us. I love that. I love that God's like, you know what? I can do this with one. I don't need all these. I'll show you how powerful I can be. I'll show you what I can do. But one thing we need to understand, Gideon, although God could have done it with just Gideon, Gideon still went with 300. You need to understand this. Warriors need other warriors. We need each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to be in each other's corners and saying, you can do this. I'm there with you. I'll fight with you. I'll pray with you. I'll be there with you. Warriors need other warriors. But sometimes, listen, hear me. Sometimes God will say, you need to weed them some of these people out. Oh, that doesn't sound very nice. Listen, it doesn't mean those guys were bad guys. Okay? It doesn't mean that the guys that were afraid that got sent home, that God didn't love them or care for them. God loved them and cared for them a lot. But God's plan was different. God said, Gideon, I'm going to give you 300. That's what you need to accomplish the goal. It wasn't that th those guys that got sent home never did anything great for God. I don't believe that's true. I believe God has a plan. And if you got a heartbeat, he's got a purpose for you. And a plan for you. But God's plan in that moment wasn't those guys with Gideon. But there were 300 that were. Warriors need warriors. Sometimes we think we can do this all on our own. But it's just not how it works. The final one that we need to understand is we need to develop our obedience. Develop our obedience. So here's where we're at. It's time for the battle. It's time for the battle. How are we going to fight? We got 300 to 150,000. Those aren't good odds. So what are we going to do? So Gideon hands out the weapons of war in this moment. To each man, they are given a torch, a ram's horn, and a pot. What? what? Wait, wait a minute. Not a sword, not a spear. A ram's horn? a torch, and a pot. Now, I'll be honest with you, okay? 
if I was one of the 300, I think I would have got scared at that point and wanted to go home too. But that's what they're given. And they're told what to do. They're told, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to divide up into basically three groups of 100 men. We're going to basically surround 150,000 men. We're going to go around them. And in the moment, in this one moment, in, a, in, a, in an act of unity, we are going to take this situation. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to take their torch, they're going to put their pot on top of the torch, and they're going to have their ram's horn, okay? I know you're going, wait a minute, they, got, they don't have three hands. This is what's going to happen. And Gideon says basically, in the right moment, when you you see the signal, you're going to break that pot. And in that moment, you're going to blow your horn and you're going to shout. And God's going to do something incredible. And so that's exactly what they do. Now, I'll be honest with you. I would love to tell you, oh, yes, I would be so obedient in that moment. I don't know if I would have been. I probably would have been like, wait, are, are you sure this is the plan? Gideon, are you sure you and God have had this you know, figured out? Because you know, this doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Because I'm thinking, I'm going to break my pot, and what's going to happen at that point? Because it's nighttime when they attack. I'm going to break my pot, and guess what? That's going to illuminate me so I can be killed. I like the idea of sneaky, sneaky. Not the idea of, here I am, shoot an arrow at me. But that's exactly what happens. And so what happens in our story is not only do they do that, but they do it in a way where they're all in unity together. And it happens. They break their pot. They're all of a sudden, you know, because it's dark, really dark. At the, and it, there's just this bright light and shouting and ram's horns. And God causes the Midianites to literally attack each other. Because they are so confused and so afraid. And all of a sudden, everything's fine. And then boom! Shouts and lights and noise. And God basically comes and does miraculous thing but listen obedience matters obedience matters listen this is important get this in your heart our obedience is what wins the battle and the battle comes before the blessing you see, after the battle, they win and they basically just got a whole bunch of stuff because everybody's dead pretty much and so they just go get all their stuff back and all, all sorts of stuff you know we love the blessing. We love that idea. We want God to bless and God to do those things. And what's awesome is God wants to do that in our hearts. But you know what? It's gotta, it starts with obedience. It starts with obedience. If you want the blessings of God, you start with the obedience to God. We see it in Scripture all the time where God says basically, look, I don't, I'm not interested in your sacrifice. I want your obedience. I want your obedience. We need to hear God's voice and obey it. And obey it. Even, listen, even when it seems crazy. Even when it says, what, what do you mean we're supposed to take pots to a battle? What do you mean we only need 300? What, that doesn't make sense. But you know what? Hear me here. It takes courage to obey. And it really takes courage to obey when we don't understand the end of the story. And sometimes God will say, listen, I need you to obey even though it doesn't make sense. I need you to obey even though it doesn't make sense. If the worship team wants to come on up, we're going to close. But listen, 
I've talked with people before about this concept and obedience, and, and I, hear, I hear kind of sometimes the same concept, and it, it, it's a very, very good question. It's a very important question, but it's one that we need to talk about real quickly. And I hear this a lot. Well, well how do I know that I'm hearing God's voice? Okay? Because it's tough to, to obey God if you don't know what God's asking you to do. Now, here's the thing. This is a wonderful way to figure out what God's asking you to do. So I always say, listen, you got to obey what's in here. Okay? That's important. When God says, do this, you do it. When God says, God, live this way, you'll do it this way. But there are times where God is going to ask you to do things that maybe aren't, quote, unquote, in here. God may ask, I want you to do this, or I want you to do that. And, and, and it's tough because we want to know that God is speaking to us. Okay? And we want to know that God wants to speak to us. And, and I want you to hear this because I think it's important that we catch this. Okay? And maybe this is, well, I'm just going to say it. I don't know if we're going to know 100%. Okay? Like, like you know, God's saying, I want you to do that. And, and sometimes we know what God's wanting us to do, or we can feel what God's wanting us to do, or we're hearing God's voice, but we want to know 100%. And so because of that, we refuse to move. I don't know if we're going to know 100% all, at all. And here's why. Here's why. If we know 100%, there's no faith in that. You get it? There's no faith in that. Now, I'm not saying that we can't move at 99%, but anytime we obey God's voice, there's a little bit of risk in there, and there's a little bit of, of it's not going to be 100%. Sometimes we're going to have to be willing to take that step of faith. But here's what I found in my life, okay? And I put this in your notes because I think a lot of us deal with this. The more you obey the voice of God, the louder the voice of God gets, okay? And what does that mean? It means that at some point, even though you don't have 100%, you're going to have to step out in courage and obey. And obey. And that's scary because we don't want to be wrong and we don't want to look dumb and we don't want to have all these things take place. But God has called us to a life of courage and the life of a man or a woman that says, you know what, I'm going to obey you, God, even though it doesn't make sense. We want Gideon-type expressions in our world, but let's be honest, we have very few warriors that are willing to step out in faith and do something like that. I'm not, like I said, I'm not real big into warriors and onward Christian soldier kind of stuff. But at the same time, we are still called to be men and women that are warriors for Jesus. That are willing to fight the battles because we know the destiny that God has is so great. And whether, listen, the scriptures have both. Whether God fights the battle and we sit there and watch, or we're the one with the slingshot. Listen, when God is with us, the battle has already been won. But we got to hit the battlefield. There was a change in Gideon. He went from a wimp to a warrior. And listen, 
if he can do that in him, he can do it in me and he can do it in us. Oh, but Aaron, I'm this. No, stop with the excuses. God can do great things in you and through you, but it's going to take some warrior mindsets that come forth and says, you know what, God? I am going to be used by you. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. But you know what I found? I've never been in the military, and God bless all of you that have been. But one thing that I've learned talking to people that have been is a lot of it is mental. It's not physical necessarily all the time. A lot of it's mental. To be the warrior that they need to be to, to fight the battles, it's a mental game. And that's why it's so important that we in our world today let God not only change our hearts, but change our minds. The renewing of our mind is so important. But there's battles that we need to fight. And there's victories that are waiting for us when we do. Pray with me. God, we come to you right now. And God, it is so easy for us right now in our world today. There's so many battles. There's so many things. But God, I truly believe you've called all of us to be warriors. You've called all of us to to do the things that are necessary. That doesn't mean that we, in a physical sense, it means in a spiritual sense, we're willing to go to battle. Because the scriptures tell us we don't battle against flesh and blood. Our battle is against an enemy in the spiritual realm. And we win that battle in our prayer time. We win that battle in our growth. We win that battle by going into our friends and our family and and spiritually speaking, recapturing land that has been lost to the enemy. But God, you've called us all. It doesn't matter how old or how young you desire warriors that will fight for you and God we already know we win we already know we win but God for us it is time to have the courage to get into the battle so father whether we never have or God we've taken some time off or even if we're weary of the fight God right now I pray a new invigoration of your spirit Spirit in our lives. God, I pray for a new understanding that we're in a battle right now and that fight is going on whether we acknowledge it or not and that you've called every single one of us to be warriors for you. And God, however you want to use us, we're open. But God, we have to understand There are battles before our destiny. And God, you have an amazing destiny for all of us. So as as Paul said, help us to put on that armor and get into the fight because we've already won. We've already won. Let's all stand. John and the worship team are going to come and lead us in a quick closing chorus.
called us folks he's called us and remember even though at times we don't always feel like that warrior Jesus is calling us up he's calling us to where he knows we can be with his help and he's not a liar and he knows what he's talking about so I can say with confidence to everybody that's here and everybody that's online hi warriors let's go fight Let's go find a battle to win. Let's go fight something and let's go win for our Jesus. Because every single one of us are called. And we win because he is with us. Don't have to be afraid. We can do this because of him. So God, we give it to you. We allow those things to speak to our heart and to our spirit. And Father, where there was fear, we put it away and we bring in boldness. We bring in courage. We bring in faith. We bring in the understanding that we know you're in control and that you have got it and that you will use us to do great things for your name and for your glory. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Have a wonderful week. Listen, I, I will see you hopefully on Wednesday. Remember, we're here for prayer and online at 7 o'clock. For those that are online, we love you. We miss you. Let us know if you need anything, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.